The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world, you already know it, that got a hit tonight. I'm Jake Mintz, that's Jordan Schusterman. Look at us, got a hit. This Javier guy, I mean, he's throwing it in the zone, man. Just just put your put your barrel on it. Just put, just put one and put him into play. Just get a hit. How hard could it be? As ballplayers say, I saw him good tonight. <laughs> you, you from the press box. And let me tell you, us at home, we saw Javier real good tonight. And we are going to get into all of the, the wonderful moments of the second no-hitter in World Series history. Jake, it is great, uh, it is great to see you. You're, you're joining us. It appears this time from outside the press box. Uh, are you are you out in the in the quiet stands since there's not exactly a raucous party going on at CBP after Game Four? Uh, Jordan, you could say that I am indeed dancing on my own. Podcasting, not I am potting on my own. Not a lot of people around here. There's some folks in the field, some people strewn about the seats. Everyone uh, is in the press box writing, where I will be momentarily. But I would say, Mr. Schusterman, that the most notable thing I see for my seat here in Section 227 down. Behind the left field side of the outfield is something on the scoreboard. I glance to my left and I see the large Humbotron and under hits with the Phillies, I see a big obese zero, Jordan. Tonight, the Philadelphia Phillies did not record a hit. Christian Javier and his pals limited them to only three base runners all evening. A triad of, that's probably not what that means, a trio of walks. Brandon Marsh, Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, and uh, the Astros put up five in the fifth, and that's it. It's one of the more beautiful line scores uh, I think that I've ever seen. Um, No runs in any innings except for the top of the fifth when there were five. So it's like a perfectly symmetrical and just – and then you have ten hits, zero hits – like it just, it is the ten is the perfect, most, right? Because it's five to ten. It is the most just aesthetically beautiful ass whooping. Not just you know historically again, only second world you know World Series no hitter. It was just it was comprehensive, as they say, in a less chaotic version that it was last night in the opposite direction, uh, but similarly dominant, historically dominant, and uh, we'll get into all that. Jake, my first question for you is. Do you think Javier was tipping? You think they the only, had something on there? The only Doesn't thing like it. getting tipped tonight, Jordan, are the bartenders at the Astros Hotel. Because Mr. Javier has earned himself a tall, fancy, expensive alcoholic beverage on the dollar of one Mr. Jim Crane, the owner of the Houston Astros. So I hope that Javier does not have to tip tonight, but someone better be because that man gets a well-earned drink. He was incredible. I mean, it was two pitches, total dominance. The fastball 
just has so much life in the zone. Nick Castellanos talked about it after the game. He's like, that's a fastball that when he's locating it, you have to cheat to it. Even though he only has two pitches, if you don't cheat to it, you won't hit it. And if you do cheat you to it, if you do cheat to it and he throws you a slider, you look like Nick Castellanos did tonight, mm-hmm. right? Flailing <laughs> every which way. Uh, first at bat of the game. It's funny that he mentions the fastball because first A-B of the game, and this has been a storyline all postseason, our friend Jeff Passan wrote about it. Hey, maybe stop pitching to Bryce Harper. Now, they didn't pitch totally around him. I, I thought that bat, that first A-B against Harper in the second was competitive on both sides. They ended up walking him. And then Cassiano's just swinging at three straight sliders. I was like, that's, I mean, that's exactly what you want to see if you're Houston. And then he was just rolling. And what makes Javier's fastball so special, I mean, he maxed out at 95.9. It's not like he's throwing, and, and listen, I know people 20 years ago, like, holy shit, he's throwing hard. It's just not. That velo on its own is not particularly special. But all the characteristics about all the dorky, you know, you know, vertical break, movement, rise, whatever, deception. His extension isn't that crazy, but just everything about the pitch's movement is just unlike almost anything else. Um, there was a great one of the one of the best uh, just like broadcast tidbits that I can remember in some time. I think it was only in like the fourth or fifth inning. Ken Rose, they they sent it down. Oh, right, Kenny, uh, we sent it down to Ken Rosendahl. Uh, all right, what you got on, on Javier? He said, I just got a text from Kevin Cash saying. That dude is ridiculous. He might be the best pitcher on either team. <laughs> He's the four starter. Um, and I don't know what I should. I guess I could look at what Javier did against the Rays this year. But that's the kind of thing, right? I mean, like he is two pitches. It's it looks it looks like magic, right? I mean, it's it looks like what is what is so special about it. But when you're in the box, and and as I mentioned before the series, no one on this Phillies team had ever seen Javier except for Brandon Marsh. Um, and Schwarber, two of the guys who, I guess Schwarber got the walk later, but this is not a comfortable at-bat to see for the first time in, in a World Series game. It, I heard in the uh, locker room after the game, hitting coach Kevin Long went out to Boehm, or they were talking, and he said something along the lines of, it's pretty funny, we can't wait to face Verlander tomorrow. Can't wait to see that Verlander guy, right? Like, And that's <laughs> true, truly. Be- it's- you ha- there's a book, there's a book on Verlander. Right. If you follow the book and he's not perfect, like you can get to him. They showed that in game one, even all season long. Like I understand Verlander's ERA was under two. He's dominant. He's Mm -hmm. incredible. Mm -hmm. But there's a way to beat him. And the Phillies have done it already. The series. Mm -hmm. They had no idea how to touch Javier. And no one has now for a couple weeks. There was a lot of talking about how Ranger Suarez throwing game three was an ace in the hole for game seven for the Phillies. Kind of interesting now that if we go to a potential game seven, that Houston's decision not to push up Javier to game three yesterday would mean he's not on full rest for a game seven. Now, there's a lot of baseball, two games between now and then. That being said, there's not a doubt in my world that this guy is better than Lance McCullers right now. Holy (laughs) shit. Yes. Yeah. And I I would have to imagine um, he'll go to him on short rest or some amount of that game or whatever. But um, but again, we'll, we'll go one game at a time here. But but in this one, I mean, yeah, it was it was it was comprehensive dominance. And and Javier, like, it's not just that he's been on this unbelievable run. He's allowed like one run in his last thirty five innings or something. Um, but it also is not just you know the good ERA and and whatever. This year he had the lowest batting average against, or second or third lowest of minimum one hundred innings in, ever. Right? Like, and I know batting average has been going down in baseball for several years now. 
um, for a lot of reasons, as, as we know, is just pitching is better and defense is better and shifting is shifting and, and, you know, hitters approaches are different than they've ever been, whatever. But he had a historical season not allowing hits. And so for him to come in tonight and just not allow any hits, <laughs> it's like, yep, <laughs> that's what he does. Uh, but when you watch it and you only see two pitches and you see the contrast with a guy like McCullers or even Verlander, some of the other best pitchers, or even Nola, right, where he has a bunch of pitches. And, and for this first few innings, it wasn't just about Javier, you know. Nola was was delivering. He did have some tough spots and he didn't look perfectly sharp, but it was looking like a great pitcher stool. And then I guess this is we should talk about the, you know, the we should talk about how the Astros scored. Well, can we get to that yeah. in a second? I want to wrap yeah. up no hitter chat. Oh, sure. Okay. Then we can go. Okay, that's fine. Let's Jake Mintz, that's me, mm-hmm. uh, is gonna say some facts. You ready for those facts, Jordan? I'm ready. Fact one perfect games are cooler than no hitters are cooler than combined no hitters. Mm-hmm. But combined no hitters are cooler than I would say 40% of maybe 50% of all regular season baseball games. Like they are better than the alternative than like the Royals winning seven to two over the Tigers in June. Now Mm -hmm. a world series combined no hitter, even though Javier didn't go the distance. I understand it's a different era. We don't do that anymore. I want to talk about that for a bit. It's still cool. It's still impressive. And most importantly, it's still indicative of something. It yes. still stands out when we will look back on this day when 30 years from now, when Jake Mintz Jr. and, you know, Johannes Schusterman are doing a podcast about mm-hmm. Austin Nola's grandson's no-hitter or whatever, they'll be like, oh, this is the third one. The others were uh, Don Larson and Christian Javier's combined no-no. Like, he deserves it. Like, he was so good 100%. tonight. 100%. That's this the thing. is okay. It felt like it, and, and like I'm all for the like complaining about how cool is no hitter, whatever, um, in a regular season game where there's five walks and an error, and you know just a bunch of relievers and like against the shitty team. But when you do it against the team that was scoring a billion runs a game at home, that hit five homers yesterday, that like every other context should tell you. This is a big fucking deal <laughs> and incredibly impressive. And it doesn't matter that four guys did it instead of one. Um, like, and it wasn't even like Javier was pulled at 60 pitches too, you know? So that's the thing. Sure. Could he have gone the seventh? I'm sure he could have, right? But he had 97 pitches. Like, it's fine. Like, what are we going to do? Start criticizing Dusty Baker for taking his starters out? You really want to play that game? <laughs> That's the other part of it. It's like, we can't just go back and forth each game deciding what, like, I, I anyway, so totally agree with you. I, I Like, everyone's like, oh, God, now we have to combine no hitters. No, this isn't complicated. This is one of the greatest pitch games in World Series history. Full stop. Okay? <laughs> the, like, that that happened. And they deserve all the credit in the world. Javier is amazing. And then, and it was, again, like I said, it was, it was textbook. Javier. I mean, whatever, whatever starter of Houston, I, I certainly he's been the best of the bunch to Abreu, to Montero, to Presley. You know, that was it. That's it. That's, that's, that's that is as exactly how you draw it up. Do we ever see a no hitter in the postseason by one pitcher again? <laughs> what circumstances would it require? Um, Man, I think I think I have an idea. I can go first. OK, go ahead. Yeah. To me, it's a team like the 20. 20- 19 Nats where they're like we made comparisons 
between them and the Phillies, but the Phillies bullpen this year is better than that 2019 Nats teams mm-hmm. was. Like, they had two guys, two and a half they could try. This Phillies team has a couple other guys who've pitched yeah, yeah, well yeah. in October. It needs a bad bullpen team, and it needs to be in a game five. Yeah, it needs to be the last game of a series. Yeah, It needs to be in a game five of before a rest day where the two preceding days, the good relievers were taxed, where the team is up by a lot of runs. Yes, and the- where basically you're saving, you're already burning the starter for the beginning of the next series no matter what. No, no, no. I'm saying World Series, really. Oh, okay, well, okay, fine. So the, the, I, I guess we're thinking just because I mean, even the postseason, right? It's so rare, even though we have the starters going deeper. But but yes, I think generally for a World Series <laughs> single person no hitter. But again, this is the other thing: the fact that this is the second one ever. There wasn't another one since Don Larson. Like right. that is that that it was that there wasn't a combined one in the last ten years. You know, it hasn't happened. It should tell you how impressive this is. Um, so I yeah. I, but you're right. I think it would really take the extreme sequence. Five let's or six, talk, game five or six. Yeah. Let's talk briefly about how the Astros scored. Uh, Aaron Ola was not good tonight. He was okay before the fifth. He was definitely shaky, held it together. Or sorry, before the fourth, right? It all fell. Oh, no. It fell it apart in the fifth. fifth. It sorry, it fell apart in the fifth. He only went four innings. Aaron Nola, that is now his third consecutive basically stinker in a row. Game two of the NLCS, he was not good. Game one of the World Series, he was not good. And now game four of the World Series, he was not good. Mm -hmm. This is the guy who is essentially been a co-ace alongside Wheeler all season and and back to last season. He is the longest tenured Philly, right? Mm -hmm. I had a note in my book that said longest tenured Philly takes team to precipice of World Series title. (laughs) And I think that like, Maybe it's being too hard on them, but or not hard on him. But this is where you have to deliver mm-hmm. as an ace. And that's tough. It's unfair. It's a tough business, though. And Aaron Nola, number one dude with a chance to like solidify a legacy with Cole Hamels in the audience. And he mm-hmm. wasn't up to the task. Yeah, he wasn't. I, and that bums yeah. me out. But that's a fact of the matter. And again, this isn't like... You can't count on for it. Like, this isn't years and years of World Series failures like Justin Verlander, <laughs> you know? Like, no, but like f- tonight, with yes. a chance, yep. he didn't do it. Didn't do it. Yep. No, I agree. Um, and the kind of pitcher that he is, is the Astros are an especially tough matchup because he throws, a, he does throw a lot of strikes. He doesn't like to walk guys. And so when he's going enough in the zone, you're going to, you're going to, eventually the Astros are going to start hitting balls hard. And that really started happening. They have, you know, the three straight singles. Um, in in the fifth, although let's talk quickly about the Jeremy Pena uh, missed bunt that Dusty Baker was big. So McCormick single, Altuve single. It's first and second, no outs, still zero zero top five, and they have Pena bunt um, with the strike, and he's clearly has no idea what he's doing, and they cut to Dusty like every college coach, like what the fuck, like. This dumbass can't get the bunt down, right? And it's fun, of course, Jeremy Pena. I mean, he hasn't been thinking about bunting recently. <laughs> um, but then gets the two strikes, ropes one into left. Now it's bases loaded, nobody out. We go to the bullpen. Yeah. Here comes Jose Alvarado. And again, right? I mean, this is what you have to do. This is the aggressive manager. This is exact. This is what I mean. It's not a good situation, but it's like, hey, Alvarado's been money. It's bases loaded, nobody out. Of course you go to him to face Alvarez. And 
99 to the ribs, which was a great reminder of just like 99 to the ribs just has to hurt so much. And yeah, it's better than, a, than an elbow or a finger or a, you know, or a broken bone. But man, like you just, like, just think about how much that hurts. But you know, Jordan Alvarez is enormous. It's, <laughs> so, it's yeah. not comfortable. Yeah. So. It's not comfortable. It's got to hurt. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't care. Like, it's just, okay. So then he, get, and then it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> right. Then, then you knew. Then you knew. Then Bregman pokes her down the line. And from there, it was over. Bregman, it was done. Oh it was dusted. Bregman, what a piece of hitting. That was ridiculous. Tucker sack fly. Guriel, you know, lines one with two strikes. Um, and then it was, you know, then it's suddenly it's five nothing. Game over, basically. All right. Let's take a quick break now and we'll come back in a second and talk about what this means for the Phillies and the Astros moving forward. This is the first home loss of October for Philadelphia. Are they is the goose cooked or is it edible? We'll let you know in one second. Hey everyone, this is Lindsay Rhodes, host of the NFL Roadshow, a Sirius XM podcast, inviting you to join me three, yes, three times a week for NFL analysis that goes beyond the low-hanging fruit. On Mondays, we react to the biggest stories of the NFL weekend. On Wednesdays, we pick one topic to really dig in on. And on Fridays, I'll give you all the fantasy football advice you need in just 15 minutes. We call it the Fantasy 15. Download new episodes of the NFL Roadshow right now on the SXM app, included with all of our trials and popular plans, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back here on Baseball Barbacast. I'm Jake Mintz with my friend Jordan hey, Schusterman. Hey, hey. Uh, before we hop in and talk about what Game 5 looks like, I want to discuss very briefly uh, the most entertaining moment of tonight's game, which was the Citizens Bank Park Jumbotron misidentifying Bruce Springsteen huh. on the video board. Did you see this? Okay, so it's funny you say that because... I half saw it, wasn't paying attention, didn't register it, really, what it was. And then later on in the broadcast, they showed Bruce Springsteen, actual Bruce Springsteen. And I was like, that's not what whoever they showed earlier was wearing. Again, I was like half paying attention. I was like, that's weird. And then I didn't think about it. So they showed the wrong person? Yes. They showed, uh, basically the camera cuts to Miles Teller, right? And everyone sees that it's Miles Teller. Next to an older guy. Okay. Oh. And the lower says Bruce Springsteen. And the guy waves. And then that lower leaves. And then it says Miles Teller. And Teller waves. And everyone's oh. like, that's not Bruce. Then about two innings later, they they show Bruce in a completely different outfit. Like, obviously wearing like a denim jacket or a leather jacket or something. Right. Uh, which are different things. And everyone cheers. Great, great, great. Three things could have happened here. Number one is that whoever's job it was to identify Bruce Springsteen correctly did not do their job and thought that the person standing next to Miles Teller was Bruce Springsteen. That's the first option. Option number two is that the person whose job it was to show Bruce Springsteen was told they were going to go show Bruce Springsteen. There was a miscommunication. They put the Bruce Springsteen lower up. Instead, they went to Teller in that spot. Okay. The third option is that it's the funniest joke ever. Right. That the Phillies are like doing. Here's fake Bruce Springsteen. Oh, wait, here's real Bruce Springsteen, which is what I hope it is. But I really think what happened was number <laughs> that's two. probably giving them a little bit too much credit. Um, very funny. Very, very, very funny. Now, the Phillies, the, the one thing, some slack, I'll, I'll cut them right. There were a lot of people at this game at, this, at these, these last you know, these last couple home games. There are a lot of people to identify in the crowd. 
Um, it's not just Miles Teller, even though it seems like it sometimes. <laughs> the Astros are getting significantly out celebbed this oh, fall time. classic. Now, big one time. last little Springsteen tidbit for everyone. So we're waiting in line down in the tunnel to go into the Phillies sad clubhouse and a cart drives by like one of those things you see in like an airport for people who can't walk mm-hmm. and everyone's looking at their phones and someone goes oh wow it's the boss and everyone looks up and like it you see it like turning the corner and everyone's like damn like i've always what you know it's sports writers oh yeah they're all like, like man i've always one. wanted to see springsteen but i never i've never thought i'd get so close and i missed my opportunity whoa no about three minutes later, Miles Teller walks by with his dad, a.k.a. the guy everyone thought was Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and m- myself and some of the other media members start going, Bruce, as Teller's dad walks by. I was just going to say. And he like waves this. and tips his cap. Because there he knew. Because I, I just pulled up the picture from it. And it looks like it, so it was his dad. It looks like his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like pointing, like, oh, they think I'm Bruce. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amazing. It was great. Oh all in good fun. Uh, all right, let's get somewhat serious now, Jordan. Uh, like I said before, this was the first home loss of the mm-hmm. postseason for the magical Philadelphia Phillies, which was very jarring for me, someone who has now witnessed eleven Phillies postseason games, half of them here. No, I've seen now seven, eight. I've seen eight home Phillies playoff games this October. This is their first loss. Someone who will remain unnamed came up to me halfway through the game after the Astros scored uh, in the press box and said something along the lines of, man, it's just a different crowd tonight. And I think that is some dumb shit, Jordan. (laughs) Yeah. Why would it be a different crowd? Because by the fifth inning, the crowd was definitely quieter. And this is the thing about crowds, okay? We talk about we talk about how crowds are silly and also cool. But you can't say, oh, it's a different crowd tonight. They didn't have a hit. What do you want them to do? You want them to get and scream at <laughs> the talk still, They were still standing a bunch, even best, when they were losing. Best performance I've ever seen from a crowd that got no hit, right? Totally. I just think saying, man, different crowd. What is that doing? Yeah, totally agree. I, of course I it's a different them. crowd tonight. I don't blame them at all. Here's the other thing. It's not just that it's the first Phillies uh, loss at home in the postseason. Remember, they finished their regular season with like two weeks on the road. And the last home loss that they had was the last home game that they played back on September 25th, which was a – this was when they were like spiraling and it was like, oh, shit, they're going to blow this. They lose in 11 innings to the Braves. Um, And after that, it was like – Oh God, they're gonna hit the road, and they might not, you know, make the postseason. Like that, they might that not was, come home. That was the vibes then. Um, but you know, instead, you know, we, we know what happened after that. But, but yeah, it is, it is, it is. It's it's wild. That was that was over a month ago that that, that crowd saw that. So it's been it's been, it had to end at some point. But at the same time, not it didn't. They probably could have you know gotten a hit or two. All right, uh, my audio just died, but we're gonna finish up the uh, podcast anyway. Verlander. Stinder guard tomorrow, just as we all predicted. Very bizarre. Two pitchers who are two of the most recognizable pitchers in the world. They are varying levels of good right now. At one point or another, they have each been at the top of the sport. Verlander, longer than Cindergard, for sure. They both got Tommy John. They rehab Tommy John together. I have a story on that coming out tomorrow at Fox Sports. 
Jordan, it is very bizarre with this, the season on the line to break this tie. Cindergard is getting the ball. Yeah, and we already sort of previewed this when we thought he was going to be pitching before. So, I mean, you can go back and listen to the episode before the rainout for our broader Cindergard thoughts. But yeah, man, I mean, I can't imagine that they are going to expect too much out of him. But presumably he could, if for some reason he is rolling, they could send him back out there for the fourth. You know, they Alvarado obviously had his struggles tonight. They didn't have to go to Sir Anthony, but they did use Bellotti. They did use Robertson in this game. So look, all those guys are going to be available again, I'm sure. At the same time, you know, this is this is where it's going to get pretty tough with for Thompson to get through nine innings here if Syndergaard is getting crushed as we sort of think he might. Um, but at the same time, hey, Verlander might get crushed too, and and. You know, the Astros just used all their dudes, but they still have a much deeper pen. I just love whatever happens in game five. I just love that this series has delivered, even though we've had kind of these weird lopsided games. Like the Phillies have two of the most electric, incredible, memorable wins ever. And the Astros have two of the more just like command, like obviously being on the other side of that is one of those two losses, but also having a no hitter, having the, the, the really strong performance in game two. I just think it's this series is delivering. Like I, we we said that coming into it, like it's actually closer than we think, and I'm just glad that we have that. I'm I'm glad that we are that we are tied at two, um, and you know I'm sure a good portion of the media is a little bummed that they have to go back to Houston, uh, but I'm excited to to get to keep watching the series because it has been a ton of fun, and I'm excited to see. I, I hope that tomorrow we get kind of the maximum. I, I know you know game one kind of gave us this. So I'm, we're getting greedy, but just fully matched up where like both teams are starting to wear down in a little bit. We, we've we've had a very back and forth in kind of a, an imbalanced way. Now I want to see them kind of match up for an entire game. And I, I don't know what that's going to look like with these two starters, uh, because there's also a version where Verlander figures his shit out. And that is that's really what you're scared of. But we'll see. We'll see, man. I've just I've just been having a ton of fun with the series. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I had a small pang of sadness that I would like to talk about before we go. Mm -hmm. I'm looking over at Citizens Bank Park, mm -hmm. a place that this year, no matter what happens in the series, was the venue for postseason wonder, for just unbelievable amounts of baseball joy mm -hmm. happened here, right? And I'm looking at it and it's empty and there will be one last hurrah, one more hurricane tidal wave of noise of enthusiasm of exuberance and that's sad to me right that it's it's going to be over tomorrow tomorrow night no matter what happens it's going to be done but it was magical it was incredible it was different than anything i've ever experienced mm -hmm. and just an electric atmosphere to watch a baseball game in and i don't want to be biased here but I want to be able to look back in 50 years and remember the 2022 Phillies. And that's not to take anything away from the 2022 Astros. Mm -hmm. They're an incredible team. They're the best team in baseball. Whether they win or lose, they're still probably the best team. Yeah. I feel good about that, right? And maybe that deserves to be remembered. Maybe not. But, like, for me, this Phillies team has just, em just embodies the things, Jordan, that you and I love about the sport. Yeah. The weirdo shit. Right. The unpredictability, the just all of it is so much fucking fun. And it I just hope it I'm just sad it's going to end tonight in some ways or tomorrow night in some ways. 
and I hope I'm not rooting for anyone because I'm an unbiased member of the media. <laughs> yeah. But you can go ahead and read between those lines. Sure. No, I, I totally hear that. And 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 another big part of that is right, I think kind of the point you're making is we just don't remember the team that doesn't end up winning as much. It's just a fact, right? Um, there's a reason why we're still talking about the 2019 Nationals is because they because they won, right? They end up losing in Game 7 against the Astros. It's not the same kind of memory, uh, even if it was 99% of the same season and experience. You know, and that is that is the same kind of way I feel about this Phillies thing. Like, this Phillies run, if they lose, should be a thing that we remember forever. But if it won't be the same way, it just won't. So, we will see what happens. They, they, it's tied. It's tied. They got a chance. They got a good chance. The 1993 Phillies mm-hmm. are an iconic team in this town. Mm-hmm. However, their videos are not played on the Jumbotron <laughs> here. The videos played on the Jumbotron here are the 2018. Yep. And that's because they won. Yep. History remembers the victors. Jordan Schusterman, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful sleep. Mm-hmm. Can you send us home, please? Yes. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, for, we've had a ton of fun doing these post-game pods. Thank you to Chris Tyler for producing. As always, you can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. Leave us a review with a random name of a baseball player, which I just checked those recently. we got a bunch of fantastic ones. Love seeing some of those names. Shouts out Tyler, Pastor Nikki. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you after Game 5. Serious XM Podcasts.